welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. We are the Who Dat Jedi. Yes, I changed that last week. I've identified us as the Who Dat Jedi. Um, my name's Aaron. With me, as always, is Dave and Fredo. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. And we are the Who Dat Jedi podcast. So, you know, we, we talk about Star Wars stuff. And tonight we're going to be talking about um, the Galactic Star Cruiser, or as I've called it, uh, Star Wars Prison. And now I'm going to call it Star Wars Band Trip. And I will tell you why later. So that gives you a reason to stay on here. But Star Wars Band Trip. Um, but um, we also are going to talk about uh, the Empire Strikes Back special edition changes. You know, we talked about A New Hope last time. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back. And I think it's going to be a little bit more controversial because I don't think Dave likes a lot of these, especially when we get to Bespin. Is that right? His If this was a video podcast, you'd see he just did the... Um, what is it? Is Megan Maroney? Uh, uh, <laughs> Michaela Maroney. Michaela Maroney. Okay. Um, but, uh, but we got to talk a little who dat stuff here. Uh, saints, uh, big saints news. Um, first of all, we, we signed a new kicker. You That's saw it. this. Um, and it is, well, first of all, I, I saw, did I, am I right that on Twitter, they said that Will Lutz, like his groin exploded. It, can that a groin was, explode? I mean, well, let's keep this safe for work. But I mean, that sounds that sounds awful. Yeah, put in the big or, Wilhelm scream. Or wonderful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. all <laughs> depends. <laughs> all depends. <laughs> Context, yeah. Um, but um, you know, <laughs> but anyway, so you know, he's going to be out for a while. So they signed Brett Maher, uh, who was kicker for the Cowboys until he got the yips. Well, here's the interesting thing, folks. Um, Brett Maher um, was in my wife's English class in Kearney, Nebraska, and his dad was our boss. And it's like every meeting that I had with uh, Dr. Maher, we'd spend like the first about 10 minutes talking about football, and the other instructional coaches would sit there and look at us like we're nuts. Um, but it's funny, when when last Brett Maher was in the Superdome, when we played Dallas, I sent Brian uh, a text, and I said, I don't wish any harm on on your son and I, I, but I hope he misses every kick and, and, and he replied back. He said, you know, his mother's really hurt by that. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So, uh, I was texting with him a little bit yesterday. So that's, that's kind of exciting. We got to, hopefully this Husker does better. It doesn't sound like Prince of Mukamara is, uh, really shaping up to anything. So, um, then we won't talk about Stanley Jean Baptiste, you know, but we Let's all do remember Carl Nix. Carl Nix was a Husker. So, you know, anyway. So go Brett Maher. That's great. I mean, like I said, it's kind of weird to have somebody that we, not that came from our town, but that we actually know. So, yeah. Anyway. Saints feel a little snake bit right now. There's a lot of Oh, this is going to be a bad season. Retirements and, um, yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I think everybody's expectations need to be put in check. Um, but it could still be a fun year. They've still got a lot of really cool weapons, um, you, you know, on offense and a great line. And well, and here's the uh, deal: is that if our defense is stout and we can keep a team from scoring 46, then we don't need to score 47. So, I mean, that old adage of you know, good defenses win championships. I mean, this is the offensive side of things is where it's like really sketchy, right? I mean, ex- except for the one cornerback position, but it sounds like Crawley's, you know, coming into, 
into play a little bit, but um, yeah, fingers crossed. And of course, the the quote of the week was when they asked C.J. Gardner Johnson, you know, why he, you know, mouths off on the field and stuff. He says, "I just don't like people." <laughs> so he he was all of us yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. And and look, I agree with Dave and you regarding lower expectations. If you've been a Saints fan from pre two thousand six. Basically, the last 15 years have been just the most wonderful, enjoyable ride. The thing is, a wonderful, enjoyable, sometimes crazy, sometimes disappointing ride, but you ex- had certain expectations. This year, you can't have any. We might be at 10 and 17. We might be a 3 and 14 team. We ain't, we ain't got no then, quarterback that's going to bring us back down 14 with six minutes left to go. Well, uh, we don't know if we do. That probably ain't going to happen. That's just it. It's. There can't be any expectations. Therefore, don't have any. Just enjoy the ride. And just know that whatever ends up, it's going to be like, okay, that's what it was. So anyway, so first preseason game this weekend in Baltimore. So anyway. Saturday or Friday? Uh, this It's this weekend. I, I'm not for sure. It's, I want to yeah. say Saturday. Dude, it's only Tuesday right now. I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. Um, so anyway, <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, let's, see, let's get into some trivia. Get our brains wired for... Uh, um, Star Wars. Um, all right. Well, Fredo, I'm going to you with the first one I see here. Who does Darth Vader tell you may dispense with the pleasantries, Commander? Oh, Moff Turgeron. Yeah, which is the mo- one of the most difficult. Who came up with that Churgeron. last name? You know. Yeah. Well. Did you did you ever see the the deleted scenes? Yeah, we talked about this in a previous episode. Yeah, the I mean, scenes. where he when, was uh, he was supposed to turn the laser on uh, Endor. Yeah, but and then also when he confronts Vader outside of the throne room, Vader's yes. just choking him. Yeah, so. he will he will actually come up in our discussion today. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Dave. Who strikes first in the final lightsaber battle between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi? Wait, who strikes first? Who strikes first in the final lightsaber battle between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi? That's got to be Vader. The answer is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I I don't know how that is definitive. I mean, don't they just kind of swing at each other at the same time? Yeah, that's what if I we're thought. talking to New Hope, right? Yep. I guess yeah, maybe, no. maybe maybe Obi Wan does lead first. I don't know. That's just not very Jedi like. <laughs> no. Knowledge and defense, never for attack. Come on, didn't you write this stuff before you filmed it, George Lucas? Leia was always Luke's sister. All right. Well, here's <laughs> mine. Who does Luke tell? Then my father is truly dead. The answer is Jar Jar Binks. No, I'm just kidding. That is actually Darth Vader. Yes, Darth Vader. Um, yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. I was. Uh, oh, by the way, I, I have a, I have a nit because Rogue One. By the way, Rogue One was trending on Twitter. Did you guys see this today? For a moment. For a moment. For most of the day on my Twitter feed, Rogue One was trending. Anyway, um, Rogue One was on. Uh, I was watching it last night, and one thing. I've never noticed before, and it truly bothered me. It took me totally out of the movie. Is when Bail Organa comes into the meeting room. You know, the very first time you see 
Jimmy Smith's, they play the Force theme. They play the Skywalker slash Force theme for Bail Organa. That bothered me. That bothered me. Anyway. Why is dad? You know. Well, that that, he, that that theme has nothing to do with them. Okay, let's play the Force theme when C three PO comes on because you know he was worked for on Leia's ship. I mean, it just bothered me. Um, yeah. Anyway, I won't. I won't get on that too much. Let's just throw it to Fredo with news before before I tell people to get off my lawn. Uh, okay, so in non-lawn news, um, just just a few little bits. Uh, first bit of news was last week they officially announced that Bad Batch will get a season two on Disney Plus. Uh, this was about uh, Thursday of last week. They said Clone Force ninety nine is going to return, and uh, they'll have another season coming next year, sometime in twenty twenty two. Can't imagine when they'll put that in, but. Must you know, be working on it. You know, it's interesting. It's, uh, Star Wars Underworld podcast. They do a special podcast for the Bad Batch, and Chris Siegel had a very good point. It's like these episodes. There, I mean, they all have to be. They're they're just ending, heading for a dismal ending because we're in the time where well, the Empire. The Empire is yeah right, Lucy. The Empire is. I mean, there's not going to be any big. Uh big victories until Scarif. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, little... well, yeah they can't win. Like, yeah, I mean, it can be a rebellion <clears throat> win until then. I mean, there'll be little, like, pro- it's going to be mostly probably, whew, got past that one, or, uh, oh, crap, Echo died. You know, it's, I mean, so it's, it's going to be interesting a... how they take this story. Yeah, it's going to be a story <clears throat> where survival is the victory, where getting away from the empire's victory where managing to not end up in prison or jail uh, in prison or dead sorry uh is going to be the victory because you're right this that, that said i did love and we'll get into this possibly next week when we discuss the season uh but i'm liking what i'm seeing just because again it's doing the good job of filling in the blanks you know, the thing, I, I'm really happy it got renewed another year because this first year, it, it's classic Filoni. He's taking his time, and you're not really getting to the good stuff, the meaty stuff, until the end of the season. And so now it's like, okay, now what can he do with it with a second season? And I, I think that we're all very fortunate that we're going to get to the opportunity to see that. Um, but, you know, circling back to your point, Aaron, I, I, like, I like that some you know when we watch star wars especially with the with the big movies right we there's this this idea that the heroes have to be the underdogs and it feels like that's just something that they've been beholden to since the original trilogy um the sequel trilogy was very much we're going to establish that right out of the right out of the shoot and we're going to do this again because we know that's what works and it, it always felt a little forced to me because we've talked about how like the resistance and the, you know, and, and the first order, where, where did all these people come from and why are there factions and what's happening? Um, here it's not forced. I mean, this is, this is to your point, this is exactly the kind of environment they're in. They are overwhelmed. They are going to be the underdogs. They're going to have to be hiding in the shadows and on the run and taking their wins where they can get them. And, and so 
for somebody that's like a fan of like that classic star wars trope of the you know the little guy beating the big guy i think this should be right in your wheelhouse well i think uh for me i think the bad batch is all about omega and setting her up we're probably going to see a live action omega in the book of boba fett because they made a big deal of it she's you know boba fett was alpha and she's omega you know so i think we're going to see and having fennec shan in there i think that's you're going to see that um but i think the second season you're going to see them connect as their younger selves i think it's going to become more the omega story just like ahsoka got kind of a bigger role in the clone wars but um or Ezra with rebels where even though he was the lead and i think that kind of brings up you know you're making a good point there regarding these characters just because unlike say the cast of rebels who you could say okay could be anybody the fact that they're clones the fact that they're their face is the face of the entire former grand army of the republic which you know marks them as being somebody who's easy to recognize so there's a natural conflict between them and the empire so it'll be interesting and it'll be interesting to see just you know years from now when everybody's making the list of which are the essential episodes just how many of this season actually will fit into that list i don't imagine there'll be too many but i imagine there'll be a few so yeah second season looking forward to it yep uh next bit of news actually the next couple of bit of news will be uh video game news uh so Last week, there was a conference called by Electronic Arts. They're talking to their um, shareholders. And uh, on the list of stuff that they were mentioning, they said that uh, Jedi Fallen Order has outperformed all their expectations. And they clearly are invested in the franchise. And so we can possibly expect Jedi Fallen Order to possibly not 2022, more likely 2023 sometime in the fall. So that tells you that there's a demand for it. People reacted in a great and good nature towards it and they're going to give you more of it. Right and on. the crowd goes mild. I, 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 have, <laughs> I, I have a Nintendo you Switch. You got, neither of you guys played it, have you? No. No, no. I haven't. Okay. okay. We'll, have, so, we'll have to go to Fredo's house and watch him play. It'll be like we're in seventh grade. I just have to bring the PlayStation <laughs> around to everybody's house. Boom. Play it. Uh, last bit of news, and this is actually something you have played and are looking forward to. So, so far, officially, we have not gotten any news regarding Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Has not been, no, last bit of news we heard was spring 2021. Well, I think we reported on that a year ago. Yeah, exactly. Now we're at summer 2021, about to be fall 2021. So, uh, last week as well, there was a, uh, a tweet with a trailer from the from Gamescom, which is another big gaming conference that's coming up uh, at the end of this month, the 25th. And the very first image they showed when they showed new games was a Lego Darth Vader. So it's leading a lot of people to think that on opening night, which is when they have their biggest announcements, we will finally, finally get a Lego Star Wars, uh, Lego Skywalker Saga comes out on this date. Because it's been pushed back and pushed back now, and everybody's like dying for it to come out. Yeah, I'll be all over that one. See, that's that's the one you want. Yeah. And well, Dave Le- does. Not, yeah, not- of course. You know, with kids and everything, the Lego games are really good for um, playing with your kids because you can't really die in those games. You just 
collapse into a pile of bricks and then you're, you're you, you come right you respawn right 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 where you left off so it's um it's it's really approachable and easy and they're fun they're they're funny and the kids really dig them and you know yeah the family friendly games and uh, really like them a lot there's a lot of really there's a lot of really good lego uh games out there they're they're really good in terms of like helping you de-stress because like i said there's a very low threshold in terms of uh um expectations of what you got to do with it but it's also very easy to just mellow out with them so yeah it's not like the force unleashed where you go and you first thing out you're darth vader killing wookies it's just or, like, yeah, or Jedi hey, let's go order. slaughter dogs for the first 10 minutes of this game. Yeah, or Jedi Fallen Order where you're running from Inquisitors and if you get a, you know, you got to get the timing just right, otherwise you die and you go back. So, so that's it in terms of news, except for the other big bit of news that came out last week, which is all about Aaron's Star Wars prison yep. in Orlando. Yeah, no, it's, it's now called Star Wars Band Trip. Um, but anyway. The Galactic Star Cruiser, which, yes. Details arrived last week. They say docking, so it's going to be open spring 2022, and they announced pricing. Yeah, hit them with, the, with the prices and, first. Let's hit them with the prices, then I'll go into the itinerary, and then we'll discuss. So first of all, let's hit with prices. Okay, prices, starting from. If you have starting a Starting from. Starting if, from. Okay. So remember, it's a, at least it's a two-night stay minimum, so... Two guests per cabin starts from $1,200 per guest per night. Or, put it a total way, $4,800 for the voyage. Three guests per cabin. Hold on. Can I pause for a second? Dave, Dave, before we have this segment, can you please have Pink Floyd's money playing at the beginning of this? (laughs) Anyway, continue. Uh, So three guests. So it's two adults and a kid. So Dave wanted to just be him and Kate and one of the kids. It'll be... (laughs) The other two. (laughs) Look, look, you leave the other two. They don't want to be there. You know, it's $889 per guest per night or... A grand total of $52.99, so $5,300. Remember, two nights. Now, four guests per adult. Now, let's say three adults and a child. Now, who's showing up with three adults and only one kid? A Nambla? I don't know. It sounds... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really creepy when they put it like that, though. I mean, yeah. So, anyway, so... For four guests, it's seven hundred and forty-nine dollars per guest per night, or a grand total of five thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine dollars for your total voyage. Okay, so we'll let that simmer right there. We won't opine on that at all. We've, I've opined enough on it, but you kind of know where I'm coming at on this one. But now they also released a sample. I think they call it. Here's an example itinerary. So it's not clear. There's there's some things really not clear about this, but here is an example of the itinerary might be like. Day one, one, one o'clock p.m. Arrive at the terminal. One fifteen to one thirty. Launch pod to star cruiser. One forty five to two fifteen. Ship orientation. Three p.m. to three thirty. Light refreshments. Three thirty to four. Sabak lessons. Four to four thirty. Munster or muster. muster. Sorry, muster. Monster. Uh, uh, from 4.30 to 5, captain's recession or, uh, reception. Uh, 5.30 to 7, dinner featuring live music. 7.15 to 7.30, outer rim regalia. 
And now you have an unexpected story moment from 7.30 to 8. For example, you might prove your mettle to join an elite smuggling ring, hide a stowaway to help read the resistance. Then from, that's from 7.30 to 8. Then from 8 to 8.45. unexpected story. That's that scheduled. That happens on the dot at 7.30. Yes. Uh, from 8 to 8.45, you have bridge training. In case Sabak wasn't good enough for it. the old people play bridge. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I think that's the that's the captain's bridge. But uh, then eight thirty to eight forty five is a special atrium entertainment. Day two, seven a.m. to eight. A. By the way, I have to. Oh well, no, I won't opine yet. Seven a.m. to eight a.m. Breakfast. Eight fifteen to eight twenty five. Transport shuttle to Batu. Eight forty five to nine thirty. Star Wars: Rise of the Resistance. Um. From 9.30 to 9.50, story moment. For example, you might broker a deal for a heist, arrange to steal a ship for the first order. From 10 to 10.30, we have Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run. From 11.15 to 11.45, lunch at Docking Bay 7, food and cargo. Apparently, that's part of the $1,200. Transport shuttle to Star Cruiser from 12.40 to 12.50. Lightsaber training from 1 o'clock to 1.30. Uh, from 2.30 to 2.50, droid racing competition. 3 o'clock to 3.30, build model ship. 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock, Sabak tournament. 5 o'clock to 5.30, cocktails at Sublight Lounge. From 5.30 to 7, taste around the galaxy dinner. From 7.30 to 8.45, story moment. For example, you might put the heist plan into action. Bring the stolen ship aboard to watch out for the first order. Um, and then from 10 to 11 is the spectacular finale. And then day three, 8.30 to 9.30 is breakfast. And from 9.30 to 10, launch pod to the terminal. Okay, so can I ask two things here? Well, I there's... The, go ahead. Yeah, there's a lot day, of unknowns day, here. Okay, so day two there. Uh, I heard a lot of Galaxy's Edge. So you're getting well, some you're, Galaxy's... You're in Galaxy's Edge from... Um, 840, 8.45 until um, 12.40. Right. So four I hours. Did, I did not hear the cantina in that. No. Okay. Well, right. see, okay. I so wanted, I wanted to point that out. I wanted to, I wanted to get so that here's, there. So here's the thing is that it's not clear. If, okay. This is why I call it Star Wars band trip because I was a band director for 15 years and I took kids to all over the country. I took them to LA. I took them to New Orleans. I took them to New York City. I took them all these places. And what you do is you plan every minute so that they don't have any downtime to cause any sort of trouble. I mean, you just plan an itinerary. And now while we got to go see some cool things, my wife and I were like, now we're never going to do anything on an itinerary until we probably turn like 72. You know, it's like it. So seeing this, it's not clear if it's like at three o'clock, thou shalt go learn and play to play Sabak, you know, waking you up at 7 a.m. Or is, you know, um, or is there from like a certain time period, like from three to four, are there a whole selection of activities that you could choose from? Or is it thou shalt do this one thing? Okay. But the fact that it's like, it doesn't even, it doesn't really even look like it's like, I just, I just want to go uh, sit, you know, or I just want to, and okay. So it's like, it's just all this 
that itinerary, when I read that to my wife, uh, like without a, uh, there was barely a beat of second after I got done, she said, oh, no, (laughs) it's like, if we go to Disney, it's what I've said before. I, I, I don't want an itinerary. It it kind of even bothers us when it's like, okay, we have a fast pass at a certain at certain time, so we need to be here at that time. We just kind of like to go with the flow. Now, I don't have kids, so that's a different thing. You know, it's kind of nice to have an itinerary maybe when you have kids. And this is an immersive experience. I get it. So you don't go to the Galactic Star Cruiser to go sit in your hotel room and watch Star Wars TV, you know. Um, for those prices. But, okay, so that so the itinerary is one thing. It's like, Good Lord. But then the other thing is like, is this a sustainable business model? It's like, how many people are going to, if that is the itinerary, it's like, okay, I fork over $4,800 for Brittany and I to go do this thing. Are we going to do that next year? Two nights. Yeah. Are we going to do that? And are we going to do that next year? Are we going to do that three years from now and do the exact same thing? I mean, no, I, I, that's why I think this, you're probably going to see, and I'll shut up here in a second. Um, you're probably going to see, like I've said before, this is going to go gangbusters right out the gate and then it's going to hit an iceberg and tank and it's going to, they're going to rework it into some part of galaxy's edge. It's going to be rethemed within probably about five to seven years. That's my guess. I, I do think that there's going to be, um, if, if what you say is probably it's a uh, future, which I tend to agree with you, I think they're going to get to a point where it's going to be like, well, what can we interest people in? Which parts of this are people going to really respond to? And I think it's the immersion, right? Um, and so it's like you get Alex, galaxy's edge immersion, but like multiplied by a factor of 10. Um, so character interactions and adventures and role playing, and, um, maybe it's, um, you know, those rooms that you get locked in and you got to figure out how to get out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, it's like stuff like that, you know, experiences. I mean, I think like, that's going to be what they're going to have to lean into. And like, you know, Sabak training and Sabak tournament sounds okay. But does it sound like something I want to pay $6,000 for? You know, and there's the thing is that they could have just done another Disney hotel and just made Star Wars themed. I know they're going for the immersion thing. I get it because all those little shuttles and stuff like that. I mean, that's just kind of smoke and mirrors until they open a door and you're at Batu and oh, we landed kids, you know. Um, but they could they could have Sabak training like in the lobby of a hotel. They could do all these things. The other thing is that that fancy lightsaber that everybody was, you know, peeing their pants about, apparently you get 30 minutes of it. My question, <laughs> yeah, my, my thing is this. When they start talking, I mean, you, you go through all the itinerary. By the way, if you ever worked at a, in a cruise line, a lot of this feels like ripped out of a, you know, a cruise line itinerary. So that's why it feels so similar. But when they talk about spending four hours at Gal- in Batu and Galaxy Sedge, are those four hours going to be exclusive to the people at Galactic Star Cruiser? I doubt it at no. that time. So in other words, your entire immersive experience will break for four hours while you see moms and dads and kids wearing Mickey Mouse shirts and ears and balloons running through Batuu. 
right? Yeah. There, go, right. there goes the immersion, you know. Yeah. For, for, you spent $6,000 to feel you were living in the Star Wars movie, but here comes somebody dressed, you know, like, you know, with a Mickey Mouse shirt. You, you kind of, I see what you're saying. You kind of want it to be like, you know, the park is empty when you land on Batuu and then all of a sudden stormtroopers come running out shooting at you and everybody's got to run to the Millennium Falcon to get away from, you know. Yeah. You, right. It, for, yeah, especially for six grand, you know. Um, and actually. I think the only way you could pull that off would be doing it like overnight, right? Like open the park up at like midnight for a couple of hours and have like your scenarios play out in that way because you're not going to be able to close that park down to all that money that you're going to get well, from people that are going to want to be there. And that's the from thing. From 8.45 to 12.40. Yeah, so no, so the, the money part of it is what also bothers me is that, right? I mean, Disney as it is anyway is it's it's the haves and the have nots, you know, it's like not, it's the people who are going to Disney all the time, you know, that there's a lot of people in this country that it's like, you go to maybe Disney once in your lifetime, if you're lucky, you know, and it's already so expensive. And then to do this and make it, it's the only people that are going to be able to do it are going to be um, like the Uber rich or the people with disposable income which are going to be like, you know, you're probably going to have a bunch of, you know, 25 to 30 year olds who have no kids and, you know, like work in, you know, a fortune 500 company that, and so I think Disney envisions parents with little kids and this is this whole like bonding experience over star Wars. And that's not what you're going to get. It's, it's, uh, but like I said, I don't see how it, how it lasts in its in its iteration for more than a couple of years well and the other thing is this and i bring up the cruise comparison for a reason because uh, in this article i'm actually seeing the cabin size not the cabin size but what's in the cabins and i'm like historically if you book a, a cruise unless you got all the money and you're able to get the big fancy all you know big old balcony with all the expenses most cabins on a cruise ship tend to be small and you tend to make them small and you get to go for the small one because you don't plan on being there it's the same it's the same concept as if you get rent a hostel room or a small tiny european hotel in paris because you're like well i'm not gonna be in my hotel room. i'm gonna be out on the street i'm gonna be out sightseeing i'm gonna be doing stuff right so that may be part of the reason because if you start looking like the standard cabin basically it says sleeps four to five has one queen bed two bunk beds for one adult each. And I'm like, which size adults are these on bunk beds? <laughs> Is that Dave and I? Because we don't fit in bunk beds. And a wall pulled down bed for one adult if sleeping five. Then the... This is in the, the Galactic Star Cruiser? Yes. Okay. In the Galactic, uh, Galactic Class Suite, you get sleeps four, you get a queen bed and two wall pull down beds. Then you get stuff like a mini refrigerator, hair dryer, and cabin safe, you know, all the stuff that you get in a normal hotel room. They have hair dryers in Star Wars? Apparently so. Yeah, well, you got to have Pepsi at Medieval Times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they also have a interactive TV with your home planet's entertainment. And then uh, when they say the Grand Captain Suite, it has two queen beds, two bunk beds for one adult each. I love the fact that it keeps saying just one adult. I'm like, okay. <laughs> And two wall pull down beds for one. Please don't break them. 
that's got me thinking about the olympics where they had those beds right yeah the cardboard beds yeah like there's no hanky panky and and then the mexican athletes were like okay two guys jump on the bed okay they break three guys because you know they had there's always a guy who thinks it's gonna happen jump on the bed so (laughs) we can break it you know and actually when you're, you're doing these comparisons it's actually cheaper to get like the fancy dance room on a disney cruise that would be more like for like three or four days than it is to do this. And now, now I don't want to be, I'm sorry. I'm sounding like, you know, you know, Mr. Burns here, but you know, it is, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, very cool idea. It's a very, very cool idea, but I just think it's going to be playing to just a small audience because you know probably yeah again i'm i'm with you i don't want to come off as being like uh, super judgy or um, mean about this stuff because it's like there's a lot of people out there that will probably want to do this absolutely yeah and they'll look at it and they think oh this this is right up my alley i'm willing to spend the five thousand bucks um i think like where we're coming from with this is like okay read the fine print and really look at it to decide if, if it's going to be for you or not, because it, from the outside looking in, it looks like there's some downside to it. I mean, just, just think about it for a second. The, the audience, I mean, they're trying to draw in Star Wars fans, but the Star Wars fan that has the kind of money to pour into this and then, you know, just, you know, pour in or buy all the stuff that's going to come with is very limited. So they're trying to have longevity in this. Either the prices are going to have to come down, they're going to have to keep refreshing to add new stuff, or, like you said, at some point they're going to have to make it part of Galaxy's Edge. Because the fact of the matter is, is I mean, I mean, I'm not even thinking of myself or even Europe, but I'm thinking more in terms of like Dave and his wife Kate. When you're bringing your kids, I mean, would you spend six thousand dollars for two days like this, or would you say no? We want a whole park experience a week long. I mean, for this price, you probably could get everybody. In the family, their own lightsaber at uh at uh Doc Ondars. Well, let's let's throw. Uh, I'll just we'll, we'll close with this because I mean we're Brittany and I were talking about that. It's like we've we know what we've paid to go to Disney in the past for a week, and it comes well under this amount. And our first trip to Ireland, now granted it was two thousand five, but our first trip to Ireland was ten days, and we spent probably right at five thousand dollars. That included airfare and lodging, and that was the whole shebang, you know. And now we're not going to Ireland every year, so that was a special trip. But that was ten days, you know. And like I said, all these different things, and so it's still. I, I, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens because I think I think Disney is kind of smelling their own farts right now um, on this. So I, I think the only thing I'll say in closing is. It's tough to bet against Disney. They tend to know their revenue streams and they tend to know their audience. If they're pouring all these resources into this, they have to have certain expectations as to what they're going to get back. I just I mean, even just thinking about it in normal times, but especially now in the pandemic times, I'm trying to think who's going to really sign up. For <laughs> right this. next door to medieval times is pandemic times. Yeah. <laughs> well, gonna, welcome gonna to, gonna instead of a crown, you get a mask. Best friends forced to do battle.
Who's gonna... The immersion. There's the immersion thing again, though. Like, what are you gonna do when like Ray walks by you with a mask on? It's like this doesn't feel very Star Warsy to me because why is she wearing a mask? That reminds me of COVID. I'm not here to be reminded of COVID. You know, like so that you know, even within that, I think there's certain questions they have to answer. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. It's just. I mean, good luck to them, and good luck to the people who decide they want to do it. And might my, my be might might be totally wrong. You know, I might be totally way off base, but it's uh, you know, um, so yeah. Well, anyway, all right. Well, that's the Galactic Star Cruiser. We'll be watching. Uh, what was the line from? We'll be watching your um, your progress with great interest. Is that what Palpatine said to Anakin? Yes. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, let's talk. Let's go. Let's talk. Special edition Empire Strikes Back. And uh, last time we kind of, basically, it's a love it, hate it, meh. And if it's you know, so some of these we'll probably just whip right through because again, we either didn't notice it or didn't really care. Um, doesn't really do anything for it. Uh, but some of these probably will be a little, a little bit of a little talky talky. Um, so to start off with. And by the way, we got this list off of Wikipedia. So, you know, blame them. All hail Wikipedia. Hail. All hail. Um, <laughs> uh, so, anyway, okay. So, the opening credits were altered to lessen the effect that they move side to side sporadically. Meh. Meh. Never Meh. noticed it. Yeah. I never noticed that. Um, next up, new scenes on Hoth with a fiercer looking Wampa ice creature, man in suit including showing the Wampa screeching in agony following the loss of limb. Two close-up shots of the original Wampa mask are still noticeable. Love it. Yeah, I like these. I, they make it more threatening. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I thought it was good. Um, especially, yeah. however, I didn't, the only thing I didn't need was the Wampa screaming and holding his bloody stump. Because as a kid watching Empire Strikes Back, I saw the arm on the ground, knew what happened. You know, it just seems like, I mean, that was added. Just, we got the guy in the suit. Let's do it. I don't know. That's, plus, that's me. Plus also, I mean, it just, maybe it's just me, but I always thought that the Wampa arm on the ground was a callback to the arm Kinda. in the cantina. But here's the other thing. So if I might play just a little bit of Devil's Advocate, even though I, I like this change, but however... There's something very old school about what George Lucas did in the original, or Irvin Kirshner, I suppose, did in the original, in that you always, you heard the growl and you saw shadows. And so that's sometimes more terrifying than actually seeing the beast. You know, that's a very old school thing. And it was probably done because their wampa suit sucked in 1979 or whatever it was. But, um, but it does, it's kind of very Hitchcock, right? You know, so. I think somewhere in the 17-ish years between the release of the film and the the uh, special edition, I became aware of movie making and I became aware of if they're not showing it you on the screen, that's a trick. <laughs> they're not able to show you. And so they're trying to work the movie magic to, to give you the feel yeah. or whatever. And so like I was always hyper aware that we didn't get to see it and then we got to see it and it wasn't like overly CGI ish. Uh, I liked it a lot. 
Um, so the next one, the opening battle sequence was cleaned up. Uh, I'm guessing what? this is the Battle of Hoth sequence. Um, I mean, there were some times I always noticed, like, well, and I think this is another one. Um, yeah, because the next one is the cockpits, the cockpits of the snow speeders were cleaned up, so they're not transparent. I always noticed that the first, I mean, when I'd watch it on VHS, that you could see through the bottom of the cockpit. You know, it was kind of weird. Um, I always remember uh, what's it, Rick McCallum, the producer. Uh, he always made a point of showing that whenever they talked about having to go back and fix these uh, movies via the special editions, that that deterioration had caused a lot of that. Yeah, so I would say uh, I love it just on the basis that I'm with you guys. I noticed some problems there, and they cleaned it up. So you know what I what I like is that they did not do anything. the The adats were still stop motion. I mean, they could have very easily just decided to do a CGI thing, but it's still stop motion. I thought that was because that was very well done stop motion, you know. Yeah, and to your point with creepiness and effect, I, I kind of like stop motion because it does give an air of jitteriness or, you know, awkwardness. It seems inhuman. Um, your eye notices it. And so on that level, I, I kind of like some of that stuff. There's a sense of scale about the size of the adats or ATATs. Adats. That, adats, yeah. That comes from. Uh, the fact that they're animated like that they're not they're not normal vehicles they're massive and you get that sense of their size from the stop motion animation if we ever did a list for most poorly designed vehicle in star wars that would be probably at the top um, oh chicken walker um so <laughs> Next up, and there's not a lot that happens at the front part of this uh, movie. They didn't change a whole lot, but uh, the blaster bolts of the TIE fighters have been made more green. Everything's more green. I guess I'll go meh. I didn't notice meh. this. Um, it's, I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. When I saw it, I probably went, hey, things are brighter. I didn't notice it was more green. Um, an additional CG shot of Slave One pursuing the Millennium Falcon out of the Star Wars uh, Star Destroyer's floating garbage has been added. Mm -hmm. um, I like this. I mean, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It was. Uh, I mean, it was always kind of cool to see Slave One just come out of the garbage, but then to get a little bit more of it because it, it, it that's a really it's just a really cool looking ship, and it's. It's kind of like what what did JJ uh, Abrams say to Ryan Johnson? Just show more BB-8, and everything's going to be good. You know, if you, you show people Slave One, they'll be you know, oh yeah, that's a cool ship. Uh, As we saw during the Mandalorian last season. Yeah, yeah. My brother, that's the best part of the whole season for my brother, as we said when he saw that ship fly in the screen. Um, R two whistles twice after Luke crashes into the swamp. And before the huge shot of it with, uh, well, let me re let me reread this. R two whistles twice after Luke crashes into the swamp, and before the huge shot of it with the bogwing inside of once what? instead of once. Instead I think it means that but before that's the a, huge but that's shot a horribly of, written sentence. <laughs> it means to say before the huge shot of the X wing in the water with the bogwing instead of once. Anyway, so um, R two whistles twice instead of once, ultimately. Meh. Meh. 
Meh. Yeah. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> I that I just want to like I said you need to you need to be the editor for Wikipedia, Dave, because they need some help. Um, Luke's line quote: "You're lucky you don't taste very good." After R two D two is spit out by a Dagobah swamp creature, is changed to "You were lucky to get out of there." Hate, Hate it. it. Hate it. Hate it. Yes. And I know that it was the 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 reason given for that was that the the dialogue the actual original master had degraded and so they switched because the audio quality wasn't good enough for them to maintain that line but i'm just i i don't care i want that line in there do you have mark hamill one of the most accomplished voice actors of our generation just get him back in there and say okay read the line like you did back in 1979 and done and later on in the movie they have somebody who's not james earl jones give a new darth vader line we'll get to that later but you know so yeah i mean well that that's uh that's so yeah i think that's kind of a lame excuse um uh that's a mcclunky so yeah we hated that one okay um vader's breathing in the cave scene is at a lower pitch meh yeah i never noticed some on that um so now we're on to cloud city so you're moving right along um, new and additional shots of Cloud City with a CG Falcon and cloud cars approaching and flying through. Hated. I'm going to say meh because it was an, it was one of like I said last week. It was an awesome idea with not so great execution. And it a lot of felt- these Cloud City things is going that's going to be my answer. It was a great idea with not so great execution. I think one of the things we talked about last week was. Um, Watching it for the very first time in the theater in 97, you're like, wow, that's kind of cool or neat. And then you watch it again a couple of times and you're like, oh, I see the CGI and I don't really like it. Um, And I think this is one of those things. Um, So it would kind of fall under that. I'd say meh. Um, I did like it at first and now I'm kind of. I say hate it just because I don't think it adds anything to the movie. There's nothing, there's not an ounce of information in that movie that we're learning about, you know, Cloud City or the Falcon arriving that makes me go, oh, this was worth the effort of making all the CGI and stick it in here. Like if if the escape from Bespin at the end had involved flying through the city and kind of showing us where the, the route they took in, but out in a different way, maybe. No, I agree. I agree with you 100%. And I, this is just me guessing, but um, again, we talked last week about these were all, these were all R and D for the, for the prequels coming up. And so George Lucas knew we're going to have Coruscant, you know, can we show, how can we make things look big and with a lot of people and how do we, you know, cause we've never seen hustle bustle star Wars. Um, but anyway, I, I thought this was a good idea. I just thought it was poorly executed. That's that's my take. Um, okay, so we'll keep going in Cloud City. Background cityscapes have been replaced in some areas in the new CG versions. Uh, I didn't like that. I didn't. I mean, I'm kind of on Fredo's. Some of those, it's like you didn't do anything to make it better. Some of it's more effective than others. Like when the when the sun is setting later in the film, it feels really fake. Um, 
I, just, I don't know why they just the color is all wrong and it just it doesn't look right but i th this earlier stuff it doesn't bother me as much adding some of those random windows yeah and uh yeah i'm gonna go with hated it uh, it's it's interesting maybe because empire is the first movie i remember seeing uh it's one of my favorites my first Star Wars movie i love the design of bespin i love how different it was to everything else and you know, and now somebody's up... telling you it wasn't good enough. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, there, and that's, it's very interesting that you bring that up because that's, I mean, that's, uh, you know, I wonder if your feelings on the matter are clear, you know, it's, uh, you're, you know, there is no conflict. Um, so, uh, how about, uh, um, the new sequence added following a cloud car patrolling cloud city. Uh, I kind of like this mm. one because it did, I mean, I agree with you. We, the only thing we really saw of Cloud City was a big, you know, establishing shot from far away. And then all of a sudden we're on a landing platform, you know, in the original. So mm -hmm. this did give a little bit more of like, hey, this is kind of a big place where it's we're not talking about, you know, just one ramp. So it, it added to the scope of things. So I kind of like this one. I'm bad on it. I mean. This one they felt harmless, and again, it's a, it's a question of timing. It's you know coming there. It's you know it was it felt fun. If it didn't it didn't detract, but it didn't add. So I'm I think if I'm thinking correctly, this is the one I actually do hate because there's a shot where it like zooms right into the camera, and you can see Leia in the background through a window. Yeah, yeah. And I just I'm like. It it, just, it gets it, it gets it, it gets fake. bad it gets bad at the end. I will give you that. Yeah. It gets bad at the end. Yeah. Um, now this one's kind of interesting. Um, this is it's going to be. I'm going to throw a little comment here that's going to be like the uh, we talked about Obi Wan's uh, lightsaber fizzling out. You know, and what people how people tried to retcon that one. Um, but several wall panels have been digitally replaced with windows on Cloud City. Um. I didn't really mind it, but I will say that by not having windows, it it could add a little bit more claustrophobia, a little bit more intensity to, you know, and foreboding in those scenes, you know, mm -hmm. um, when you're trying to run. I, again, I'm just pulling that one out of my caboose that it's like if you were to if you were to keep the the walls and not have windows then as the viewer, you're going to feel a little bit more tense because you're going to feel claustrophobic. If you can see far out, you know, you're going to feel a little bit more relaxed. So um, they may have taken away from some of the scenes by doing that. I like your um, story reason for uh, not having the windows, but I just think from a logic perspective, it makes sense for them to be there. Why would you live among the clouds and not want to look out yeah. and see the clouds? And so uh, I, I understand why they did it. And like I said, I think there's some of those shots are more effective earlier in the movie when the when the sunset is happening. It's just it, it looks. Really I will big. say this. It's kind of funny that some of those now because I was watching Empire the other day again. It was on TNT like it always is. And. I, I find myself going, okay, was this in the original or was this special edition? Because it, you know, there is, we get to some of those, some you can absolutely tell, yeah, a special edition, but then you're like, was there always a window there? You know, because some windows were added, you know, I don't know, 
Fredo, what do you what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of see. It's interesting. Some like there's some of the windows that I hate. Particularly, there's a later scene when when Lando and Leia and Chewie are running through the halls, and you could totally tell that it was an arch uh, hallway, and they just put these windows there. And that one looks those look kind of weird and off to me. But I love the one when they redid the room where Leia and Han are in. You know, they did like they didn't just put windows in the background, but they put windows. They fixed the, the ceiling to make it more open. So I like that idea. I like the idea when you're just taking reassigning the set virtually to make it, you know, different. Uh, but some of the stuff that they added, like elevators and all the other stuff, I'm like, does it really need to be there? It doesn't really. It's mm -hmm. they added up a, a whole bunch of like uh, fountains and like centerpieces in the hallways. Again, like, I really okay, think I really think over. this was R and D for Coruscant. I mean, yeah, that's that's it's all. What it is. Um, it's what it is. But but I, I really like your idea though, in terms of the claustrophobia, the idea, particularly when they're walking. That was just BS. I was Vader. pulling out of my no, no. ear, man. But yeah. <laughs> no, no, because it makes a point regarding that they're going to a place where they can't get out. And again, that's you're supposed to be building that sense of dread of something's off, something's off, and you know. The sets, the, the, the design of Bespin did a good job of making you feel like you were trapped in the clouds. So yeah, no, there were, the, you know, the car, the carbon freezing chamber where Leia shrinks away from Vader. Leia doesn't shrink away from anybody. She shrinks away from Vader because there's that, that feeling of claustrophobia, like you cannot get away. And then, like you said, when they're trying to get out, they, they keep running into locked doors. They can't get out. You know, it's yeah, no, there's something to that. So, um, well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> how about in the scene where Luke heads to Cloud City, a, the cloud car is replaced by a Tabana refinery? Man, I'm, I never noticed this. I never noticed this. I know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and see this now. I know, we all have to watch Empire now again. I'm so I'm gonna go, meh. Now, just wait for the weekend. It's on TV. It makes you, it makes you wonder why, why they would have now. Um, I have the pre-special editions on VHS, I think. So we can we can watch these sometimes. Um, how about uh, Lando Carissian says, attention twice when he speaks on the Cloud City PA. Hate it. It sounds like a mistake. Attention, attention. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait. Did they, did they just redub his one line twice is that what happened or is it a different take it sounds like they just redubbed the one line and it just sounds a little weird to me yeah same here it's uh not necessarily quite a full hate but more of a man was that necessary uh, you know you you figure i mean you know aaron you as a former teacher if the, if the principal's voice comes on the pa he doesn't have to say attention attention you know you you hear the mic come on you hear him go speak and you go Oh wait, what's he talking about? Yeah, I guess um, it, it just didn't really ever bother me all that much. Um, mm -hmm. So I mean, yeah, I see, I see your guy, but I'm just meh. Um, shot of Tian Kyler, a Bespin wing guard, and an unidentified blonde woman listening to Lando on the Cloud City PA ordering the evacuation of the city are added. Exterior shot of people milling about in downtown plaza. This bothers me. It just, More so the initial shot, the one with the three people just yeah. walking and stopping. Yeah. That one bothered me. I agree with you. 
I'm pretty mad on it. I understand the idea, right? Again, this is we don't we don't hate on most of these ideas. It's the execution. It's like, well, yeah, you need to identify that it's not just our heroes here. It's everybody. There are other people in danger and other people that need to. Uh, Look, and you don't but, you never really get to but see I'm gonna, that in the original cut other uh, than ice cream man. But well, uh, but that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> did you did you think that it was only our heroes that had to escape Cloud City when you saw everybody else running through the halls? But you didn't see any of that until you saw people running through the halls and then it was like space balls. Our light speed is too slow. Light speed too slow. Yes, we're going to have to go right to ludicrous speed. <gasps> ludicrous speed. Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? So, oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, I, so I guess I'm one of these. It, it, I didn't like the very, like Fredo said, I didn't like the very first part of it. Um, I don't, I, I get your point of like, yeah, this is to everybody. Um, so, um, I guess. You know what it felt like, particularly that first shot? It feels a lot like something out of one of the LucasArts Star Wars games from the late 90s. But when they're doing like CGI capture, like motion capture, and they'll cap- they film a really bad cutscene, that's yeah. what it feels like. All right, this next one is Uh-oh. the is the worst thing ever. Yes, <laughs> Luke screams really? as he jumps off the platform in Cloud City. The scream is actually lifted from the Emperor's death scream from Return of the Jedi. I remember in being in the theater when this happened. And I think I said, what the McClunky? Uh, because I was like, that's that I knew it was the exact scream from the Emperor. And one of the things that I always loved about that scene was it's such a noble, almost death. You know, he's like, he makes a choice. And, and then, then you're going to put in a scream for him to go, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done this. Oh, my God. Bah! You know, it's just like the noble <laughs> death is just the swan dive, you know. So, but then, okay, so I, I hated this. Hated it, and uh, I think I hated it more because they just copy-pasted yes, the Emperor that too. It like, was lazy. Like if you had, again, if you got Mark Hamill and you come to get him in to come in and you know, dub a scream, I don't know how I would have felt about it, but the fact that I immediately went, wait, that's Palpatine's scream when he falls to his death. I would, I would have, I, 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 I would, have, I would have hated it if out. they had Mark Hamill do it. I would have, I really hated it when they just did the copy paste. Um, mm-hmm. Dave, you probably like this. Uh, huh? pretty, uh, no, I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> muted hate, muted hate. It, was, it didn't bother me nearly as much as it bothered you guys, but it really shouldn't have been added. And. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That was just okay. We'll we'll move off of that one. Um, Darth Vader's line "Bring my shuttle" is changed to "Alert my star destroyer to prepare for my arrival." The rest of the scene is extended with additional shot of Vader walking to the shuttle and arriving to a star destroyer, where an outtake from Return of the Jedi was used. Um, that's Moff Jarjarod with his lines muted out. Who greets Vader? That's what Dave was talking about. Um, so this whole sequence, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going to say I'm, I'm kind of 50, 50 on it. Um, uh, because at, at first I thought it was really cool. Um, and then I started, you know, thinking, well, why'd they do this? But then it, it, if you remember the original one, it's like Vader's on cloud city. And then, yeah, he says, bring my shuttle. And then all of a sudden he's on the star destroyer. 
So it is kind of herky jerky. And if you got some time to play with it, it's like, let's, you know, let's, you know, show him getting to the star destroyer. So it, and it actually looks pretty good. So, um, but is it totally necessary? No, I wasn't really confused in 1980, you know, when it was, you know, okay, bring my shuttle. He's on the star destroyer. I wasn't going mom, dad, what's going on. So anyway, I hate this. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it, it kills the momentum of the sequence. You're That's a good point. Everybody's just like, oh, and pins and needles, and uh, we're getting chased, and are we going to survive this? And then we cut to Vader with this elongated sequence of the ship coming into. We don't even see the ship landing. I mean, like you, you could probably could have if you felt like you really had to have it in there, you probably could have trimmed another, you know, fifteen seconds off of the silly thing. But it's just like. Uh, why 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 add it it doesn't do, it doesn't add anything to me it it just again to your point well we didn't see him leave and it's like i don't think you need to see that but even if it adds clarity for the viewer it does it at the expense of forward momentum yeah and i think uh, i'm i'm kind of more you know, with Aaron regarding 50 50 so it's more mad than hate I do agree with you. It, it cuts because here's the problem: is that it cuts in between Luke reaching out to Leia, Leia having the Millennium Falcon turn around, then finding Luke, and then you know escaping from the Tie Fighters. So the fact that it's cutting into the action is really what bothers me. Uh, but here's the thing: it could have it could have been a much shorter sequence that you see him showing up at the uh, you no know, you know, walking towards the shuttle, and then you know his shuttle docking uh, right before. Um, Luke gets rescued, and that would have been fine. Again, if what you're trying to do is solve that question that nobody had as to how did Vader leave Bespin, solved. But yeah, I agree with you. It, it cuts right across action, and that should never happen. That's one thing Lucas never did in A New Hope. So, how about a digital hatch has been added to replace the white light that appears when Lando opens the outer hatch of the Falcon to rescue Luke? I didn't notice this. I thought there's still a white light. I just watched I it last it. week. There's a there's a hat there's an additional hatch that opens and then you see the white light. So okay. it's like there's a hatch within a hatch. Now. So it's like purgatory now before you get to heaven. Is that what? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm fine with it. I guess there's a logic to it. You know, like if you think about it, there would be a hatch before the hatch, right? Because you don't want to de-pressurize Pressurize everybody. Entire, yeah. yeah. So, so this I was, was okay this was it. to placate uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Is that what it is? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty much man on it. I mean, I'm all right with it. It doesn't. It's not a big deal. It doesn't take away. It's just a moment, so it's fine. Uh, I am surprised they never went back and add CGI added uh, Luke's hand and lightsaber falling. Um, talk about right. talk about missed opportunities. So how about uh, that's a story for another time. Um, the last three here, uh, the garbage mat, mat, uh, the garbage mat boxes around starships were removed, but not all. The Imperial March is partially repeated in the ending credits to make room for the special edition release credits, much like they did in A New Hope with some of Luke's theme. And then James Earl Jones was added to the credits as the voice of Darth Vader. I mean, I mean, those are all necessary mm-hmm. things. But again, it's like the garbage mat boxes. I don't understand if you're gonna. 
if you're going to do it, get them all. You know, and like I said, you, so you, to some of you guys, it's like, why did we spend all the money and time, you know, putting in windows when let's actually make the TIE fighters and other ships like actually look like feasible things, you know? Anyway. I don't know. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And it feels like, okay, we're going to assign uh, Joe over here to do the map box thing. Well, and that's, uh, and that's just, the thing is if you just, if you just, if they just spent the money to clean up some of those seventies, early eighties special effects, not totally redo them with CGI, use CGI where you have to, but just clean them up so that it's a little bit more like, you know, return of the Jedi was still using models and everything like that. And all that, that space scene is that space battle is awesome. You know? Um, but you know, just, if you clean up all those little things that, you probably didn't notice when you're in the theater, but it's just going to enhance the experience. It's like the smell. It's like the, the, what, what do they call it? All the, the fake smells that they put out at Disney world, you know, because we're talking about, you know, walking down main street and you smell cookies. It's not because cookies are baking. It's because they want you to feel like I'm walking down main street and I smell cookies and you might go buy cookies, you know, but if, so if you, if you do things that are going to be a little bit more, just enhance the experience, but not like, oh, they changed that. But it just, hey, this looks better. You know? By the way, you know that in Main Street, a lot of the stores have fans that blow the scent out into Main yeah. Street? Yeah. And that's how they get you. That's right. Because you go, hmm, that sounds good. But no, I, th I think, I mean, some of the stuff that got taken out, I mean, they had to. Uh, so stuff like the mat, mat tape, mat boxes. It's like, okay, clean them out. You know, if you're getting, you know, I wonder how much, the other thing is, I wonder how much time they really did, uh, if they spent most of their time on Cloud City, because of the three special editions, this is the one they uh, tinkered with the least, by and large. Seems like they it. Had, yeah, they had one sequence with the um, Wampa, and then they had the stuff in Cloud City, and by and large, that's it. Most of the stuff on, in fact, I don't think they touched anything on Dagobah. They don't touch anything on the asteroid field. They well, just the R two stuff and Dagobah. Right, right, but but once and Vader's Yoda, lower pitched breathing. Yeah, but you don't mess with Yoda. You don't touch any of that stuff. It's interesting. Of the three, this is the one that got tinkered with the least. So maybe it's, they just recognize it's, it's not interesting. It's not interesting. I think that was probably spot on because it was everybody's favorite. And I think if you, I think you're, I think you go in. It's like okay, let's be careful with the brush that we're stroke you know using here because people really really like this movie um and if like if they would have added a cg yoda for example it would have been mutiny a you know? cg yoda who would ever want to see um <laughs> so anyway yeah that's so funny like i love that joke Fredo, because it is <laughs> it is funny how time changes people's opinions on those things because we had the awful puppet yoda and phantom menace and then now everybody's like yeah cg yoda yeah yeah <laughs> definitely um but uh yeah you know it's funny because we talked a little bit last week about why this all happened and again i think some of it was what we talked about which is like george wanted to put out his definitive version or whatever but i think mostly it was about proof of concept and testing out techniques and 
making sure that we can do this thing before we commit to doing it. And by that, I mean the prequels. So, um, and I think that's all well and good. What's interesting to me is to think about it from the fan perspective, which is like, we talk about, is there any sort of, oh, there's the timer. Um, is there any sort of obligation to the fans? And um, cause like you get to a point with it, once it's out there, it's it, it's out there. People have an experience with it, and then they have they develop an emotional response to it and an attachment. And then, well, do do you have an obligation to those people at all going forward? And the in the version of it that they really really enjoyed, and and I think like that's a fair debate to have. So here's a here's an interesting story that goes along with what you're saying, Dave. Um, yeah. And it's what we've always talked about, you know, like, okay, so when an artist puts out the art, you know, who does it belong to at that point? So Simon and Garfunkel, they released The Sound of Silence and it's just the two of them and it doesn't go over. It It's it's not a hit out, out the gate. And um, like another producer came across it and added in the drums and the bass that come in like in about the third verse or second or third verse or something like that. And that's the version that becomes a hit. And Paul Simon like did not like it at all, but that's the one that everybody hears on the right. So, you know, and that happens now in music all the time, right? Where even bands are like, you know, you know, remastering their, you know, album that they released 20 years ago. And they're, you know, fiddling around with, with the mixes and stuff like that. Yet we still go back to our original CD or original LP, you know? Um, so yeah, it is, it's, you know, the fans get a lot of crap for being gatekeepers, especially our generation, because like we grew up with it and like, this is, you know, so we were very passionate about it and we all and, and some of that goes on like i don't want to minimize the gatekeeping that can happen in this community but i also felt like um when fans might have a little bit of a point with this with this stuff because it's not just george who worked on these movies and i know that he has creative control and the buck stops here and all that but there, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people that worked on these movies. And it's like, they don't get a say in what their art, they, they signed off on the art, the original art that went out to theaters, right? Um, but then they don't get a say in what he chooses to do with it later on. And there's something about that, that, that there's kind of a moral gray area in there for me just on that level alone um, yeah you talk about, yeah no i was just gonna say because yeah because it's it's different from say an author or a painter who you know works by themselves so they could always say they're reworking their vision of what the, how this other piece of art uh you know and, and, and an author can take the, the the book back and add add or delete or edit whatever they want uh or as a director relies on so many other artists and craftspeople to create his art. And so it becomes kind of a here's the, weird dilemma. Yeah, but here's the interesting thing is that also is that we're talking about things that um, we've all lived through. 
we were alive when Star Wars was created and we've, you know, we've, or, and, you know, a lot of the songs and stuff or, you know, we have access to the people who created it every, every week, every day, there are school bands and college bands and orchestras and everything and professional orchestras recreating Beethoven and Mozart and Haydn. But does anybody truly know what their vision for a certain symphony or how a symphony should have sounded or what the balance should have been or what the, you know, what the trumpet section should have been doing here or there. Yes, it's all written down, but nobody knows. Did they want a certain, you know, we're all just kind of, kind of guessing, but that becomes kind of the, the neat part about being a musician is that you, it isn't just color by numbers. You know, for something that is when you're playing something that has been like written recently and everybody knows this is how the composer wanted it. When you're playing something that's a couple hundred years old, you have a little bit of artistic license to phrase something just a little bit different, to put a little bit more air behind this one note or to, you know, you know, just or to articulate something just a little bit differently and to create something new each night and that is that that's really kind of a cool thing but gate you're right the gatekeeping now with movies and with with any and music and stuff like that people are like because they grew up with it don't change it it's you know that's what i know and so it'll be it'll be interesting if we could get into delorean and go you know 80 years in the future and see what people are talking about star wars you know the original saga you know um, but. This is the part of it that I find interesting is like if you, you want to break your brain is to think about the original artists that worked with George the first go around and what their opinions were and, and how there was a collaborative process, you know, like the actors doing ad libs and oh, that's a great take. I'm going to use that that line. Oh, I didn't think of that, you know, all that kind of back and forth that went on and making these movies what they were. That's all really um important stuff to weigh but there were artists that came along after the fact um that worked on the special editions and then worked on the blu-rays and and were like ah well we're fixing this shot that was really broken and i'm going to go in there and clean it up and we're gonna make the lightsaber look more blue or what have you um and i'm gonna feel good about that and it's just like I don't. I think that there should be some sensitivity when when talking about this stuff, and I think like um, we've done a decent job of that. But um, it's like, yeah, you're you know, a lot of people invest a lot in this stuff who who worked on it, like not just the fans, but like the people who actually worked on it. There are people who are invested in this version, and there are people who are invested in this other version, and. Um, I think it's important to recognize all of them, but I don't know. Maybe that's, um, like I said, that, that breaks your brain eventually. Cause it's like, well, how do you honor everybody? It's like, there's no one definitive version now. Yeah. But I think, I think, yeah, I, I guess I, I agree with most everything you just said there, but I, I don't think that everybody that worked on the special editions did a plus work. Hmm. I mean, because well, we pointed out things where it's like that doesn't 
that didn't do anything or that there's still a problem there or that's, you know, there's still the garbage boxes and stuff like that. So not everybody did a plus work. So it's like, I think it's, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway. But then it was the first go around a plus. I mean, overall mm, it was, but there was a lot of crap in there, you know, like the zippers on the well, uh, costumes and, you know, these random things that you're like, Oh, that's not so good. Is it? You know, Right. Um, but, so anyway, well, this is, I mean, this is, it's, you know, I guess it'll make you all watch the Empire Strikes Back again now to see, to look for these things, but I'm just glad they left, uh, Wilro Hood in there. Um, you know, the, uh, the ice cream maker guy. Um, but, uh, aren't you glad that they didn't touch any of the bounty hunters? Because yeah. they're going to come back and CGI a bounty hunter two or two out, you know, kind of like the day with the cantina, and they didn't. That was still. I thought that was the coolest scene in first time seeing Empire, and you only see them all for like you know twenty seconds. Um, anyway, cool. Well, all right. Well, thanks for hanging with us and listening to the uh, um, first of all the get off my lawn yelling about uh, the Galactic Star Cruiser, and then uh, about uh, Empire Strikes Back. Next week we will probably will talk about the Bad Batch. I think um, since the season will wrapped up, we'll just kind of talk about it holistically. Um, we're not going to go probably episode by episode, maybe just point out a couple of things we like, just, just like I said, holistically how it ended as a season. Um, but then we'll also go into return of the Jedi, um, blinking Ewok. No, the blinking Ewoks were Blu-ray. That wasn't special edition. So Blu-ray was Jedi rocks. That's right. Jedi rocks. Uh, man. All right. Well now I'm going to have to drink a little bit more tonight. So (laughs) that's next week. That's next week. Um, yeah, well, no, I have to, I have to drink to just cause it's now stuck in my head. Um, but until then, um, everybody stay safe. Um, yeah. And I think all three of us just say, you know, get your vaccine. Just please. Yeah. We, we all, this is, like I said, we're all in a classroom right now that can't go out to recess because three people in the back won't shut up and do what the teacher's telling us to do. Um, you know, I don't care at me on Twitter if you want to on that one. It's just, please let's be, let's we got to watch out for each other and just, yeah. And when you have two year olds on ventilators, that's just awful. So Dave, you can feel free to cut this if you want to at the end. I'm just venting. We'll right leave now. that in. Um, but, um, but um, we got our first saints game Saturday on Saturday. Fredo's confirmed it. So <laughs> now if we can put in from blazing saddles the the prayer oh lord do we have the strength to take on this task or are we just jerking off <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well with that we will say who dat who dat i'll still fly the saints flag and well you guys all have a great week we'll see you later my monkey.